You're listening to Crusader Chronicles episode 59, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 203 and X-Men number 132 from January 1980. and welcome to the 59th episode of Crusader Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Christatos. Crusader Chronicles is a podcast that will journal the comic book issues read chronologically by the release date from my comic book collection, either in digital, in a trade, or from the many long boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode will provide short recaps, reviews, and ratings of the issues for that release date. The goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection and having some fun along the way, talking about them with my friends. And speaking about my friends, whoo, 59 episodes. Wow. We are going to hit the big 60. Well, get close to retirement, I think. Right? Retirement age? Yep. Yep. Just got my... Arp card? Arp card in the mail. Yep. Got to get that, hit that Denny's menu, you know, that Mm, that yeah. Yeah, definitely. So we'll, we'll see where we go for the big six day. But until then, we're on 59. So let's see who's here with me. We're going to start with Jared Elbrick, a.k.a. Death Row. Hey, man, I'm happy to be here. I got my new skates on. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to be skating around the whole time. You know, I was a big skater back in the day. Mm, yeah. And when I was little, I was a, you know go out to the roller rink and skate for a long time. I had some nice black skates. With some lime green laces. That is so totally super, super fancy right there, buddy. <laughs> it was. I was fancy dancy. No, man. I'm just gonna I'm gonna skate during this entire recording. So I'm just gonna skate around my little space here in our studio and okay. uh let me know when I need to come back to the mic. All right, I will do that and I will also let you know when it's uh time to slow it down a little bit and we'll make it ladies' choice. So If you're open to that, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm down with it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and see if the weasel skull, Jason Albrick, is down with it. Yeah, to be perfectly honest, Jared took my bid. I brought my skates, too. But it sounds like we're going to have a little skating party, just like it was back back in the 80s when we were going to those birthday parties at the student skating around the rink, listen to another one bites the dust and all Mm -hmm. that good stuff. So we'll be like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's get down. I'm ready. At the roller rink that I would go to, every few months or every, like, maybe a couple times a year, they would do, like, sleepovers. So if you were one of the cool kids, they cut you off at 10. If you paid a little extra, you were there till 11. And then if you paid more, you were in the sleepover, and you didn't go home till, like, 7 a.m., and they look kind of like a lock-in at the skate rink. What? So did you bring like your sleeping bags and stuff like that? Some people did. Yeah. They brought a little place and they would kind of, you know, sleep out, but it was more about just kind of, you know, skating around and, you know, trying to mack on the the ladies. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those ladies could all skate faster than me. (laughs) Let me tell you. Yeah. I was motivating them. 
Come on, baby. <laughs> we just call coming at you. Slow down. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Let's go ahead and see what's up with Delvin the Dark Web Williams. Do you got your skates as well, too? Oh, heck no. For whatever reason, like all my uncles could skate and my dad could skate. They didn't, they didn't, teach, didn't teach me how to skate. I was terrible. I was not good. But I should get to my bit, I guess. Thanksgiving was a little bit ago. And I tell you, I, I could just relate. Like I just had so much food that I just fell straight through the floor and down to the basement into the sewer. Just oh, oh, packed it on, man. Uh, it left me angry, though. So like I pulled out my claws and I just started slicing. And it, well, actually, I, I don't know what happened. But the turkey, you took your best shot. Now it's my turn. <laughs> now it's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> that was me, Pat. That was me. Hmm. Yeah. I had a good Thanksgiving as well. I had some, I think I ate a lot too. And I was starting to feel on those pounds coming on me. And oh man, that's a day. It's like you don't eat anything for breakfast because you know what's going to happen later on. And then when you get there, you're like super hungry. You just start going. See, bowing. I got a few tips for you, Pat. Oh, okay. Tips from the dark web. Tip number one, eat a light breakfast because that way. Your stomach is more ready to receive the footage that you're about to put into it later on that day. That's tip number one. Tip number two is if you're feeling bad about the pounds, then just do a few air squats. A few air squats in between, you know, now and the time that you're sure to have to go to the bathroom. Do about like five or ten, you know, helps the food digest. Oh, okay. There we go. Tips from the dark web. Please please pay like the (laughs) song after that. I would appreciate it. See, my Thanksgiving, like, it was that perfect thing because I went out to my folks' house, right? I did like Delvin said, like Dark Web's tips. I had a bowl of cereal and that was it. And then I had to take the ferry. It's like a three-hour drive ferry trip and everything in there. Had a granola bar on the ferry. Then by the time I got off the ferry, drove to my mom and dad's house, I walked right in and they're ready. Like, it's just like perfect timing. It's that perfect time when... You don't have to do nothing, man. You just show up and it's like, <laughs> sit down and eat. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Perfect time. Don't have to socialize. Don't have to do anything. Just get in there. Get after it. It's awesome. Sounds like a great plan. It's about speaking about a great plan and socializing. Before we get started, I just want to remind everybody that if you got a comment or a question, you can leave us a message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. <laughs> I was late. I'm going off mute. Now, before we get started with this episode's issue, let's take a quick podcast promo break, and we will be right back. Come out to play. Come out to play. A new Warriors podcast is streamed live in front of an internet audience. You can join in on the live stream and chat every second Tuesday of the month on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Just search for and follow Longbox Crusade. New Warriors. 
Welcome back from the break. Now let's get into the first featured comic for this episode. It is Amazing Spider-Man 203. The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Publisher was Marvel. It's got a cover date of April 1980, but its on-sale date was January 8th, 1980. Woo, we are in the 80s right now. Can you believe it? Wow, I I can't. I'm so excited. We made it. Also, calm down. I'm dazzled by this one. It's I'm having a fun time with this one. Cover price was 40 cents. Editor and writer was Marv Wolfman. Penciler was Keith. Oh, was too quick for you guys. Sorry. Penciler was Keith Pollard. He did it all himself this time, according to the credits. Inker is the one, the only Mike. So happy. I saw the name. I was like, oh. I was like, oh. I was like, oh. I was excited. That's that's what I'm saying. Ah, don't well, calm yourself down. Calm your excited down, though. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. Yes, you're welcome. The letterer is James R. Novak. Colorist is Bob Sheeran. No Glennis, but it's Bob. This is reprinted in Marvel Tales starring Spider Man number 230 from 1989. The Essential Dazzler, Volume 1, Trade Paperback. The Essential Spider-Man, Volume 9, Trade Paperback. Marvel Masterworks, Volume 268, featuring Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 20. Cover credits go to penciler Frank Miller. Ooh, interesting. Heard him. Hmm. Hmm. I didn't know that until I just read the credits. <laughs> we will have to talk more about that during the cover description. And the anchor is Jim Mooney. Speaking about the cover credits, let's get a cover description from Jared. Here we go. The Marvel Comics Group banner is pink with black letters. I'll tell you once more before I get off the floor. It's pink, black letters. Spidey is still swinging his corner box. It's peach this time. Got me thinking I'm wasting my time. The Amazing Spider-Man logo is white with green highlights and includes the webs. One of these days, they were going to get it right. The main action is a very psychedelic scene of Spidey fighting side-by-side with Dazzler against a mysterious light-emitting foe. What happened to the girl I used to know? Anyway, text box reads, she's dazzling, he's deadly, and Spidey's caught in the middle. An additional blurb at the bottom reads, guest starring the sensational Dazzler. Hope you guys got the references on this one. I got the first one. The disco themes? Something? Mm. What do you uh, think, Pat? I'm going to go with ELO. Don't bring me down, Pat. Uh... <laughs> Am it's right? lyrics from ELO's Don't Break Me Down. I feel like in 1980, it's time for ELO to burst on the no. scene. It's very appropriate for Dazzler with the Electric Light Orchestra. Nice. So nice those nice. are all ELO lyrics from the song Don't Break Me Down. Bruce. I don't know why they say Bruce. 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 <laughs> in the actual lyrics, it says Groose, G-R-O-O-S. Oh. Groose? Uh. Gruz? Maybe like German for great? Gross. Either that or it's like that dismilla is not really even a word. It's just an exclamation. Hmm. I got nothing. I got nothing, but I tell you, those albums were really sweet to look at. 
Oh man, I, I've, I've was, discovered yeah. ELO later in life, and I'm glad I did because there's a lot of really good jams in there. Yeah, you got ELO's yeah, greatest hits, man. Can't believe I didn't catch those lyrics. Now I'm ashamed of myself. You had me at the first one. I'm like, ah, I think I know that one. Mm, yeah, that was the most obvious one out of all. <laughs> I, I had none of it. I not it. I know nothing about ELO. Oh, more like EL. No, I guess <laughs> ELO. Oh. <laughs> Oh, well, let's go ahead and get to some cover thoughts for this issue. And speaking about somebody who had nothing on it, let's see if Delvin has something on the cover. Not really. We looked at the X-Men cover a couple of months ago, and it had Dazzler. And that Mm -hmm. was dynamic, and we gave it a five because it was awesome. And this seems like an impression of that cover, kind of. You got the Dazzler, so you're going to use those dazzling lights. But the funny thing is, she wasn't even the one really emitting the light. It was this unknown foe. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what Spider-Man's webs are doing either. It's like, is he trying to, like, shoot a McDonald's arch? (laughs) I didn't know. (laughs) I'm I'm loving it. It's a cool stance, though. It's a cool stance when he's like, either it's it's a disco stance or a... It's not a bad stance, you know, but... I'm I'm eh on the cover. Yeah. I'm impressed that Frank Miller drew it. I'll say that much, but and it's not bad. Just didn't blow me away. Jason, right. you look ready. Yeah, I think maybe I like it a little bit better than you do. It grabbed my attention right off the bat. Um, it's definitely one of the more unique covers that I think we've looked at in a little while. I like the colors. It does kind of have that early 80s color pop kind of almost neon color mm-hmm. there to it. The Spidey pose looks kind of cool. This one's a little bit a little bit weird for me. It's uh I usually have the things that I'm looking for in a Spider-Man cover that help me decide is this like a 3 or a 4? And this one's just so unique that uh I'm I'm having a little trouble gauging this one, fellas. I can see that. I definitely agree with the color palette that's being used here. Really makes this one stand out to my eye. The pink the flashy yellow, the purple, I think is really cool. Jared, what's your thoughts? It's trippy and interesting and eye-catching. It's Frank Miller. So you would think, given those factors, you'd be like, yeah, put a frame on it. Hang it up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pass on that frame. <laughs> I'm just kind of met on it, too. Like, I get what they were going mm-hmm. for. It's cool to get an early Frank Miller, but it just doesn't do a lot for me. I'll leave it at that. All right. Well, with that, then let's go ahead and see where we all rate this one. As a reminder, we have a rating system here at Crusader Chronicles. It's a one through five. Five is you loved it. It tickled your tummy feathers. Four, (laughs) you really liked it. Three, you liked it. Two, didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It ruffled your tummy feathers. The DJ didn't spin your special song for you. No one asked you to dance. Hate that. Man, you go all the way out to the disco and nobody asks you to dance. Pretend I said an ELO reference here and it was hilarious. Evil woman! (laughs) There we go. Mr. Blue Sky. Let's go ahead and find out what we rate this. Jason, one through five, where are you sitting on this cover? You know, this is one of those ones where I do a Joe November 3.5. Um, I but we can't. Can't. I'm going to settle on a three on this one. 
figure that might where you be. Let's see if Delvin is also at a three, or is he going to go a high or lower, Delvin? I'm at three. It's not bad. It is not a bad cover. Just didn't, you know, it kept the tummy feathers that I even kill. Didn't ruffle them. Didn't mm-hmm. tickle them. Right now, yep. Jared. You know, I'd be at a Joe November 2.5, but I'm going to give it the Frank Miller bump. So three. Ooh, wow. And I am going to give it the Frank Miller bump as well, too. But I'm bumping it to a four. I like the colors. It's the colors that really do it for me on this one. I'm sorry, guys. The bolt on your door. We couldn't find a match at this time, but I like the colors. I think it really pops for me. That's fair enough. If this was a nice velvet painting with the neon colors and you had that black light, Oh man, I'd be <laughs> yeah, it's definitely up that alley. <laughs> you know, yeah. you bring up a really good point, Pat. <laughs> I like that. I mean, I I put that in a black light hanging in my room and I'd be all like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Love how the voice dropped. <laughs> yeah. That's how much I'm loving it. <laughs> Speaking about loving it, let's go ahead and get a synopsis on this issue from Delvin. While attending a demonstration in radiology, high school student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider. A Spider-Man. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man. of this issue was Bewitched, Bothered, and Bedazzled. Look, if I had time, I would come up with quotes or something from the movie Bedazzled. It's right there. But I came in late from jujitsu. That and we have a new phone number where you can call us. Jared. Hey, Jared. What's that number? 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Wait for me. Pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. <laughs> Of course I'm waiting for you. Sorry, I was, right. I was just I was impressed that he got that right away, and it took me like five times. <laughs> you, oh, nice. Oh, see, Jared gave the spoiler. I would I would not have. I'd be like, I just know it. I'm, 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 I'm brilliant that way. All right, sorry. Back to synopsis. Thanks, Jared. The bit is, what would the three main characters say if they called into the LBC hotline? Ready? Spider-Man. Hey, hey guys, great show. Espedito! Am I right? Well, anyway, I thought Will-O-The-Wisp was attacking Dazzler, but it turned out to be Lightmaster taking over Dazzler's body. Using some old knowledge, I saved the day once again. And since Pat likes it, I'll say it. Bunky! Okay, Lightmaster. If any of you guys make fun of my costume or call me a second-rate villain, I'm coming through the phone. I'm important, damn it! My scheme to take the Dazzler's powers to enhance my own was great, and 
you reached the time limit of the answering machine. Oh, okay, you didn't, but you were lame, and so we're moving on. <laughs> Dazzler. Hope y'all like my appearance in Spidey 203. I wasn't really myself, and I'm not a fan of Lightmaster using me like that. Not cool. Hopefully he's deader than Disco, right? I can make that joke. You can't. Tell Mary Jane I heard her sing a few songs that I want to do a duet with her one day. He's waiting for it. <laughs> shaking his head. No. And I am done. Back to you, Pat. Ooh, that one don't poke that bear. Oh, poke that bear. Oh, you can poke me if you want, baby. <laughs> Maybe Mary Jane can sing some ELO. There we go. Woo! It'd be fun. All right, Delvin, thank you for that synopsis. It was very entertaining, and I hope people pick up the phone. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up the phone. Let's get into a, the brick a rack for this issue. Is it a first read or a reread? Jared? I believe this is a first read for me, Pat. Jason? First read for me as well. Delvin? It's first read for me, Pat. Oh, it is a first read for me as well, too. Woohoo! You know what that means? It's a disco reading rainbow. Disco rainbow. Disco rainbow. Disco lights in the sky. <laughs> Cocaine make me I'm glad I wore these skates now, man. All right, it's an all skate, all skate. We have an all skate rainbow. Let's get into some high lows or what does, and we will begin with Jason. I'm going to hit the hoe. The hoe. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Oh, easy. All right. It's family show, Jason. I think the Lightmaster already did that. <laughs> I'm going to hit the low coming out of the gate. When it started and Spider-Man thought it was Will of the Wisp, I was about ready to, I was like, oh, I'm going to have some fun joking around with you guys at the return of the Will of the Wisp. I was and thinking then, the same thing. Then by the end of it, I was wishing that it was Will of the Wisp. <laughs> 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 so, same thing. I don't know who this Lightmaster is. I don't care what's going on here. This is obviously Marvel's attempt to make Dazzler relevant uh, and promote her first appearance, which is fine. But yeah, that villain was just... Ugh. <laughs> I, I'll tag on that, Jason. You guys, I have a staunch record for hating Will of the Wisp on this show. Exactly. And exact same thing, man. I was like, oh, it's not really Will of the Wisp, it's... Like, I kind of wish it was Will of the Wisp at this point. Put it this way. If you have to do a Willow the Wisp teaser, <laughs> you, you <laughs> up. I'll say you <laughs> as, as the kids say nowadays, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. So, it, I mean, wow, I have wow. never in my life heard of this Lightmaster guy. And I, I know they picked him because they were like, well, we need somebody that's got something light referenced for Dazzler. According Here's something. The, go ahead. According to the editor's note, he was in a recent issue of Spectacular Spider-Man. I believe 20. I don't it's think stated it features him. You can call it spectacular. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fair point. That's a fair point, Pat. But I was just, I was like, who is this guy? So that's my right. low. Yeah, it's it absolute contrivance to boost Dazzler the book. Absolutely. Does anybody know who the Lightmaster is? I guess I'll look to Jared Delvin if Jason doesn't yeah, know. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure he trained both Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. The... I think that was Blind Master, wasn't it? That's right. My bad. 
It was Blind Master, yeah. I think he came in Spectacular Spider-Man, like maybe number 36 or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got our jokes out of the way. Delvin, do you know who the Lightmaster is? I don't know who the Lightmaster wow. is. Like, put it this way. It had that reveal. I had to read that panel like twice. I'm like, did they highlight the person's name? Who is this? So, I, I don't I thought, like, know. I thought, too. I'm like, did Willow get a new costume? I'm like waiting for him to say, it's me, Will Little Wiss. I'm just, you know, got a new costume on. Because, <laughs> yeah, when I saw it, when he revealed himself, I was like, is that Will Little Wisp? It's been a minute, but I don't remember him <laughs> looking like that. <laughs> light master. More like lightweight master. Am I right? <laughs> hey, fellas. <laughs> you can use the cricket sound if you want. <laughs> well, Jared, you got a high, low, or what the? I guess it's a, a what the. I teased it on social media this week. I promised that I would talk about Peter Parker's worst decision that I've seen him make in the Spider-Man universe up to the date. And I shared the panel. It is the final panel on content page five, I do believe, where he goes to the movies mm-hmm. with Harry Flash. And this is 1980. And Marvel has the Star Trek license at this time. So they're able to put actual Star Trek, the motion picture, that's what they're going to see, mm-hmm. in the book. I wonder if Jason, of all of us, Jason's going to be the one to tell me what giant mistake they made. Last panel, page five. Ooh. Hold on, i got to bring it up on my... Uh, I see it. I have to bring it up on my phone. Let's see here. Uh, uh, uh. Is it the Burger King restaurant? Burger King is in the panel. Yes. Is it the other one? Are you talking about the black hole thing? Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna go to a movie that night, which which one of those two movies is better? Okay, yeah, okay. I said <laughs> I, I didn't find it yet, but I was like, I think what he's re- referring to is like, would I rather see Star Trek the motion picture? That boring piece Vija. <laughs> Vija. All, all apologies. All apologies to our friend in the garage. Um no way. Uh, and you know what? Favorite you're... movie. <laughs> but we did we did see that and we we did a podcast on yeah, it. We podcasted well. on it. So yeah, I gotta well, tell I'm, you. I'm podcasting that I'm going to Black Hole. Yeah. <laughs> if you're giving movie. me my choice of those two movies, I one hundred percent gonna take the black hole. I was trying to remember because I thought Star Trek the motion picture came out like in 79 or something like they that. They both did. But you got to remember this this uh, cover date is 80, yes. but it was released oh, in late 79. Okay. Then I was it, was, thinking, it was released in January, but when they probably oh, okay, it was this. Yeah, so yeah. this was released in January? I thought it was cover date of January of 80. My bad. So anyway, yeah, when they were creating it, it was probably still in the yeah. years. Late and I don't remember any Klingon vessels being. Oh, they tried Star to make Trek it look Trek. good, didn't they? Didn't yeah. they? Explosions. There's no explosions. There's like a the big exciting thing is Spock floating through space for 20 minutes in the, <laughs> in the major. That's it. I was like the boom. All right. So boom. we we did pause the cast in Star Trek the Motion Pictures. It's an okay movie. There's nothing terribly wrong with it. And it's it's got its high points, but it does. I, I am it team does. black hole hundred percent on this. One. Sure. Mm-hmm. Now Star Trek two, it's a whole different story. Different story. Oh, definitely. I was trying to figure out are they going to see Wrath of Khan or what are they going to see here? But I was like, no, it's too early for Wrath yep. of Khan. You're right. It is motion picture and uh I didn't see the black hole in that panel until right now. So oh, I, 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 I focused yeah. on Star Trek. So oh, I saw. I was like, wait, wait why, why would you? What, what, don't go into that theater, Peter. Don't, don't go to that theater. Go to the next one. No. Oh boy, Delvin, do you got a high, low, or what the? 
I mean, we could talk about Lightmaster some more, but let's not. I'm just going to go with the off-the-wall what the. And it's just one of those, maybe a blink and you miss it. Like, Pete was at his apartment, and then Harry comes over, and then Flash comes over. But, like, he's sitting there talking with Harry, and he's shirtless. <laughs> That's and the same the, thing. And the thought that I had was, would any one of Pete's friends be like, dude, you are ripped up. Yeah, he's like standing in a pose, like you, totally. You are up. freaking shredded. You're like a 170 pound freaking like ball of muscle. How are like you're a scrawny nerd? Why are you? You must be swinging from like place. To, oh, 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 <laughs> wait a oh, minute. Oh. That's all. I saw that, and that was kind of the first thought that I had. I was like, come on, man. Maybe, maybe this was kind of like the subtle start of Harry Osborne. Like, wait a minute. Do you think he answered that door shirtless because he thought it was Gloria? (laughs) (laughs) Came to make me one of those protein shakes. (laughs) I'm sick of eating these TV dinners. (laughs) Right? Uh, Hello there, Miss I, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking about a woman. So am I wrong in thinking this? In that moment, you have Harry talking to Peter. And Harry says... To him, you know, it's been a while since we've seen each other uh, since you and Betty broke up. Wouldn't that have been Mary Jane and him broke up? Remember the last time we saw yeah. him, he was kind of with Betty, but I thought it was weird too because broke up, they were never really. They were together. never together. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. I'm like, they were not never in any healthy way. No, they were not together. So, yeah, I mean, we can't say it's a snafu. Mark Wolfman wrote that. Yeah. So maybe Harry was just kind of using broke up in the loosest way possible. That's what I assumed. That was the most recent relationship he was in, because he had, Mary Jane had broken up before that, and then there was him and Betty had that brief thing, so. I I I, guess I don't consider them kind of, I mean, they were like friends, right? But not with benefits. benefits, She, uh, I think she, remember, she kind of wanted more, but it was more like, hey, you put your marriage back together. Yeah, Peter kind of shoved her away and said, "You get or don't, but don't bring me into it." That's yeah. yeah. (laughs) I must have read that wrong. Then, if anybody listening thinks otherwise, let me know. Or things with me, let me know. I just found that kind of threw me for an odd one. Like, shouldn't it been Mary Jane? Anyway, let's talk about Lightmaster. Why? Because (laughs) I think I think his skill sets. Basically, he's like a Green Lantern in this. Right? He's making these light objects and he reminded me of claw you know who can make mm. objects out of sound he's like the same things i'm doing with yeah. light. See, i thought it was like a green lantern where he was making that's just objects too, out of too complimentary for me let's stick yeah. with claw okay <laughs> <laughs> no it's you're right though pat it's, it's very similar about that's the only thing that it took me i'm like well you're doing like a analog of a green lantern character here but that's about it that's all i wanted to say <laughs> yeah i don't know where they got Lightmaster from. Spider-Man has a rich rogues gallery, a lot of one-timers that he's fought. He's fought pretty much anybody in the Marvel Universe. And with that said, I don't remember Lightmaster. Probably a reason for it. Yeah. Pretty late on the reading list here. So, Yeah. Didn't turn on many lights here. That's all I'm saying. No. Let's go ahead and get into round two. Jason. Well, let's make it a little bit more positive. I think thought that the action sequences were pretty entertaining. I like how Spider-Man was able to kind of survive the first encounter was 
kind of taken aback, had to go regroup, think it out, and then came back with a plan, executed that plan. Uh, even somehow managed to be like, oh, in order to save you, I need to web you up in a ball, right? Snuggled up next to me. <laughs> this web- <laughs> and this webbing will dissolve in about two hours. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, uh, that was a good good move on Spider-Man's part. So, yeah, I thought that the action sequences were pretty interesting, even if the villain, well, we won't go into that. But I thought the sequences themselves and Spider-Man's actions were entertaining. So I'll just leave it right there. Jarrett, anything to add to that? Or do you have a high, low, or what the? Oh, man, I'm struggling. I wasn't a big fan of this issue Mm. overall. Like I said, from the get-go, from the cover, you know, it's really felt like uh, we got to legitimize Dazzler and fast because we know that she just appeared like two months ago in X-Men. Yeah. So that's clearly what they're doing. Uh, I will give a little credit in the writing department, though. It was interesting. Like, she was fighting Spider-Man. I could tell by the way he was writing the dialogue for Dazzler that she was being controlled by somebody else, just by the word usage and whatnot. And I thought that's pretty good. You know, that's pre- on the mm-hmm. writer's behalf to, you know, put the syntax together that makes it clear to a casual reader that something's not right. That's not really her speaking, if you will. So I will give it a high for that bit of cleverness, but I think I'm about out for highs. <laughs> Delvin high, lower, what the I'll give, a hi, I guess, but uh, very quick, just to add on to Jared. I don't know if you know this, but a syntax is what they charge you in Las Vegas. Oh, <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. I mean, Keith Pollard penciled the whole book. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. He got credit for pencils, so we got to at least give the man credit for that, right? That's that's complimentary. Yeah. Way to go, Keith. They were decent too. I thought the artistically it looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. No complaints on the artwork. And and as a matter of fact, it it felt like a classic Spidey book. I'll say that much. And you know what? Because it's Amazing Spider-Man, you know, and that's my guy. You can get spoiled and sometimes and say, oh, this is a this is a one-off. And that's just not what you're going to see. In 2021, you're not going to see a one-off like this. Even the one-off is most likely going to be connected to some grand story. Ain't no way this was connected to anything. (laughs) They just got a book out for the month. And maybe Marv is smart enough to plant a seed or two here or there. But there ain't no way. This is is not building towards anything, I don't think, as a grand storyline. That brings up one of my what does kind of in a questionative way to you guys, what the do you guys think is a continuing story in here? Did he plant any seeds? No. If he did, what the was it? I think this is one of those cases where, and I think this happens every once in a while to these creative teams where they're told, hey, we got this new person that we created in the X-Men. We need to market the heck out of it. We need you to put it in the flagship book. Your story arc be darned. This is going to happen. So he's like, fine. Who's the most obscure villain I can put this woman up again? Lightmaster, I'll show you. Let's crap this book out and let's get back to <laughs> get back to our regularly scheduled program. I think that's what happened. Do you think anything from them mentioning Willow the Wisp? Or was that just a grasping at straws to kind of get in that sort of light, you know? I mean, maybe it's. Will the Wisp ain't worth writing home about, and that's okay. me being positive. I, yeah. I'm, I don't even necessarily 
share the same dislike for Will-O-The-Wisp as Jared does, but he's nothing to write home about. So if that's the tease, it's kind of like, you're never going to see a cover like the return of the villain slash hero you're waiting for, Will-O-The-Wisp. <laughs> nah, that's no. no. So probably not is my answer, Pat. Jared, do you have any thoughts on anything that popped out to you? exactly what jason said this was a pump dazzler book okay and yeah the end the only thing that i can see that will move forward from here in story development is that aunt may may be coming home soon and that's one panel in this that just says peter i might be coming home soon yeah she feels like she's in prison (laughs) (laughs) she's been saying that ever since we started crusader chronicles but that's the hope i'm holding on to that's the hope i'm holding on to i may has been i don't even know if she knows if she lives at this point she has been away from home for a while well that's true because the home got beat up right the home got trashed clean it up but she wasn't there before then for like months yeah, that's true. Well, have Instead to of the Sinister Six, maybe you could make like a suck six. And have like Lightmaster and Will of the Wisp. Whistle, Will of the Wisp and Ghost of Hammerhead and three others. I don't know. Stegron. Stegron. Don't you say Stegron. He's the master. He's the master planner. Well, I think, too, in all seriousness, that they were promoting the Star Trek books through them going to the star trek movie because i think this mm-hmm. is where marvel picked up the star trek license as well so yeah they're just pimping out all their merchandise their new, yeah. their new stuff out in amazing spider-man you see the weird thing is i think whitman had the license to black hole yeah. comics so it's almost like maybe keith was putting in his subtle suggestion of eh, maybe go with the black hole <laughs> sorry gene i still love you how much does it suck for Keith, too? He's like, yes, I finally did one. And it's like... I know. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I finally did all the pencils on the most inconsequential book we've ever made. <laughs> like, who the beep is Lightmaster? <laughs> <laughs> Keith's probably like, can I get some reference for Lightmaster from the vault? And they're like, I don't think we have any. <laughs> all right, I'll just make it up. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I think the only thing that keeps me looking forward to the next issue is the blurb at the end of this issue. And, you know, says, I did, and I didn't like that because I was like, don't tell me that in there. Oh. I want to be surprised by that. Don't tell me that at the end of the, in the blurb. Oh, yeah, I remember now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, the man, we knew she wasn't dead. Come yeah. On, I, I know that. But I know. I just remember. read a story with her in it like two weeks ago. She's We're looking at it through this lens, right. too. You know, remember, she was new and, and yeah. we even commented a couple episodes ago because they're talking about it in the letters column. Like, there's significant people who thought she was dead, significant people who thought she wasn't dead. Yeah, we, I would have bet on not dead, too. But still, surprise me with it. Yeah, I agree. They had to give you something on this one to just go, okay, well, I got to come back for the next one now. Yeah, it brings up a good point. We could be losing readers here. We got, that is valid. We got, that is valid. We got people know. wandering in the desert. <laughs> we need to give them a little drink. It was like that Family Guy episode where it's like, yep, it's going to be a Meg episode. So <laughs> want to turn it? Here's the remote. Here you go. <laughs> Yeah, we got a light master. Light master. Yay. All right. Well, we'll move on to the silly Spidey for this issue. 
Jason, do you have a silly Spidey for this one? Well, there were a lot of Spidey quips in here, so there are a couple things you could choose from, but I just really settled on those roller skates <laughs> that Dazzler <laughs> was rolling around in, trying to outrun Lightmaster on roller skates in the middle of an alley in New York City, and I'm just like, I don't think that's going to work out. And it didn't, so I thought it was kind of funny. And we didn't see her in roller skates in the X-Men issue that we had. We did not. I went back and looked. Okay. I was like, was you wearing roller skates there? She was not. Nope. This was uh, all Marv and Keith came up with this one. Her way of getting around town. I guess. Getting that Xanadu feeling from. Mm-hmm. 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 You know what musical group appears quite a bit on the Xanadu soundtrack? Yellow. 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 <laughs> oh. I like Xanadu, man. It's a fun movie. It is a fun movie. I did. I like that, too. Jerry, mm. what's your silly Spidey? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> there was a few quips. Nothing stood out to me. So I'm going to be like Jason just picks up that I thought was kind of silly. You know, Jason picked the skates. So let me get this straight. Your disco ball absorbs music and turns it into laser. <laughs> All right. There you go. That's my silly Spidey. I was like, what? <laughs> and I love how, like, Spider-Man... Does like the exposition is getting shot by it. What her mirror globe blasting me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently, Spidey. I guess that's what's happening. Anyway, that was silly. And uh, it's not time to square the book, but it's a two. All right, Delvin. <laughs> <laughs> Delvin, I'll just go with a little funny innuendo at the end where I don't know if Marv knew exactly how to stick the dismount, but Dazzler's all like, uh, I, I owe it all to you. How can I ever repay you? And Spidey was like, Don't worry, beautiful. <laughs> I have a strong hunch we'll figure out something. Like, <laughs> fade the dark. Fade the black. What, what, what happened next panel? Can, 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 we, can we get another page? Can, can Keith draw that? Jim Mooney, can, can you help him out with finishes? What happened? I need to know. Yeah, he was definitely kind of chatting her up through the whole issue, I noticed. He yeah. was. He was. He was. Yeah. He was, you know, yeah, he was definitely trying to get her to he couple skate with him. Ready yep. to mingle. My funny moment as well. There was a, some word funs in here, but I'm going to go with the trampoline that he made. You know, we haven't seen a good Spider-Man thing since the hang glider, right? Well, it's, if you consider that good. Well, yeah, fun. <laughs> We're very divided on this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so if I had that. to pick something, I'm picking this trampoline that he just had to be able to whip up right away and was able to use it to trampoline himself up again. So. I don't really mind the Perfectly trampoline. Perfectly plausible, not erroneous at all. No, no I'm, I'm, I'm down with the trampoline. I am down with the trampoline. I, it, I had no problems with the trampoline either. I agree with that. I thought it was kind of cool. When he I starts treating cool those webs fun. like a 3D printer, though, that's when I'm out. <laughs> soon to come. Soon to, well, he created that big ball to protect them, too. So, And then right, I like how he just sticks his head right. out. Ooh, she's like, it's all right. <laughs> I don't even think that ball of webbing did anything. I think he just wanted to cuddle up to test <laughs> Well, and who wouldn't? Come on. <laughs> Something sticky. Uh-uh, it's the webs. It's definitely the webs. <laughs> oh, easy. Easy. <laughs> oh, well, let's go ahead and get into the ratings for this issue. Again, it's a reminder. It's a one through five rating. Five as you loved it. It tickled your tummy feathers. <laughs> your disco fever all night long. Mm. Four, you really liked it. Mm-hmm. Three, liked it. Mm-hmm. Two, didn't like it. And mm-hmm. one, you Hated it. Mm. It ruffled your tummy feathers. Mm. 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 It broke your 
Skates. Oh, no. Ooh. This Elvin. little last guy right in your eye. That's what happened. Ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hate that one. You get that. Ooh, legs are right in your light beam, right in your face. Ooh. Delvin, one through five. Three, filler, Jerry. Okay. I already told you, I've given it a two. Ooh. It is nothing but an advertisement for Dazzler, and I just didn't need it. Jason, two, three. Well, I'm at a three. It is an advertiser for Dazzler, but as an X-Men fan, I was interested to see it. And there were Mm -hmm. some good elements to the story. I also liked how they had Peter's friends show up at the apartment and take him out. Boys are uh, showing him some support, and that's cool to see, too. So there's enough in there for me to give it a three. I will agree with you as well on a three. So three of us against one. Mm. I'm over here on Grumpy Two Island. <laughs> I hate I hate things and stuff. <laughs> it wasn't super high on for me, but I like Jason. I was interested in the Dazzler part of it, considering that we saw her a few months ago. If I may, Your Honor, it's just Key Rock. By the way, I think the reason I settled on a two is if we never read this one, or you were collecting it and you you missed it on the spinner rack. Yeah. So what? You missed it. <laughs> So what? It is nope. no impact at all. That's By the a way, way to, to judge them. Although I will say this. Black Hole is an excellent, excellent film. <laughs> we are going through and beyond. All right. With the ratings out of the way, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page. And don't forget, you can also call us and leave a voicemail, and we might just play it on the show. You can call 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. We will be right back. Who's editing? A thought experiment in which Siskoid and his guests appoint themselves editors of a comic book line at DC Comics. But the joke's on them, because they can only use the characters of a specific issue of Who's Who, and in fact must use them. Great ideas? Yes, we think so. Cool reinventions? Of course. Crisis fatigue? We guarantee it. Who's editing? Now on its own feed, only at the Fire and Water Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the second featured comic for this episode, which is determined by our Crusader Club members. Club members get to vote on this segment using the online poll only available on the Longbox Crusade page at patreon.com. As always, we want to thank our Crusader Club members for voting to help determine programming for this show. If you want to get involved in the voting and all the other amazing benefits of being a Crusaders Club member, just head on over to patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. You can join there for as little as $1 a month and help determine what each episode's second feature will be. For this episode, the Crusader Club members selected X-Men number 132. The credits for this issue, again, are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Publisher was Marvel. It's got a cover date of April 1980, but its on-sale date was January 15th, 1980. Cover price is 40 cents. Editor, Jim Salakrup. Writer is Chris S. Claremont. Esquire! 
Plotter and penciler is John L. Byrne. Inker, Terry Austin. Letterer is Tom Orzakowski. And the Color Me Bad colorist is Glennis Ween. We got a Crusader Chronicles this far down with an Espedito and a Ween? I know. This is nice. It is. I'm feeling all warming inside when we have those. This was reprinted in Uncanny X-Men trade paperback from 1984 or Classic X-Men number 38, The Essential X-Men volume 2, and The Marvel Masterworks volume 40 with The Uncanny X-Men volume 5. The cover credits go to penciler John L. Byrne and inker Terry Austin. And speaking about the cover, let's get a cover description from Jared. You got it. The Marvel Comics group banner is green with black letters. The orange corner box contains the heads of Wolverine, Colossus, Storm, Cyclops, and Nightcrawler. And it includes a flex box that says it's the winner of five Eagle Awards. Pat, give me an Eagle sound. Nice. The main action shows Storm being tossed on a pile of unconscious X-Men. Jason, give me a Storm passing out sound. Goddess, I'm out. Oh. <laughs> The pile includes Nightcrawler, Cyclops, Colossus, and Wolverine. Oh, wait. No Wolverine. Well, that won't be important. Oh, yeah. Who's tossing Aurora on the pile of defeated X-Men? Delvin, maniacal laugh. (laughs) None other than Sebastian Shaw, who's flanked by Ichabod Crane, Santa Claus, and the eighth president of the United States, Martin Van Buren. Back to you, Pat. I got a legitimate live and let die vibe out of that laugh, man. That was that was uh Baron Samity laugh all the way. <laughs> right. that was like Baron Samity. That was seven up. <laughs> Crisp and clean with no coffee. <laughs> Thank you, Jared, for that description and history lesson. Mm-hmm. I think also I want to point out that Sebastian Shaw and Peter Parker have something in common. They do. Very casually shirtless. (laughs) Check out my pecs. Peter Pecker. Wait, no. Whoa. 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 One step too far with the joke. Let me reel that back. If I was buff like that, I I think I would do that. I'd walk around like that, shirtless. I mean, I'd do it now. Too cold? (laughs) (laughs) They got a lax dress code at the Hellfire Club, I guess. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and get to some quick cover thoughts on this. We'll start with Delvin. Very well drawn. Very well colored. It's that sneaky great. I even like the X-Men logo and how it pops, too. And with the word balloon that made it seem like the X-Men were in peril and the Hellfire Club was on top and two dudes with the beard game that was like basically Darren Sutherland quality, if you think about it. There are a lot of things to like about this cover. Jared, what do you think? Well, I think you just pointed out something that there's a blurb on the cover, and I missed that in the cover description. I did not bring that up. There is an actual blurb from Sebastian Shaw who says, she's the last one. The Hellfire Club has defeated the X-Men. So I I was remiss in that. But you're right. It is well drawn. I mean, I like the detail in the background of the curtains and the window, Mm -hmm. the chalices that they're drinking from the ornate clothing that they're wearing, with the exception of Sebastian Shaw. Nice use of the word ornate, by the way. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. The texture on the rug at the bottom is nice. 
Like, it, there's not a lot going on. It's not dynamic. It's not like a poster, but it's just really well put together. And with that, I'll give it to Jason. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. There's not a lot of dynamic action, but what it does do is entice you as you look at it and go, okay, what happened here? These folks have just captured all, almost all of the X-Men. You get introduced to the inner circle of the Hellfire Club here on the cover, and it tells a lot. It shows a lot without a lot of wasted space, and it's just beautifully drawn. So, yeah, sneaky great, as Delvin would say. I definitely agree with all of you guys on this one. And I wouldn't know how to say that the three or four of them look ornate in their look. I would have called it like old timey kind of a, that look that they're wearing is like only these guys can pull this off. Right. You mean with like that, ornate? I don't know. <laughs> Baroque. Yeah. Baroque. Baroque. I, is, is that, um, Victorian? Yes, Victorian, Victorian Renaissance age. Yeah. yeah. I'd like to be at the team meeting when Shaw was like, all right, here's our theme. <laughs> Victorian. Yes. And like they were like, okay. And then they're like, we're all going to have writing You're going to put a shirt on? <laughs> Shaw, you're not even no, no. trying. Man. Victorian for you all. <laughs> See, I'm going shirtless. <laughs> you know damn well where he got those shirts from, too. And it wasn't men's department. It was not the men's department. <laughs> He's ripping on some old Dave Chappelle Prince jokes. Uh, we are pancakes. all dressed like Prince. No, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry, Pat. It's your turn. No, it is. It's like I had to look at him. Like, really? That's what they're all wearing. I'm like, so it pulls me in a little bit more to try to figure out how old are these guys. Some of them are pretty old, but they've obviously been around for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, which makes sense. It goes with the money scheme that they had and. Uh, in the book, you had uh, Angel mention about how, I mean, he got inherited into the club yeah. because I guess Mr. Worthington II was a part of the club, too. And so it's been around for a minute. Mm-hmm. And it pulls you into it with Jason Wingard, who pulls Gene into that time period all the time with that. But I love the colors. I love the subtleness of it. But do you guys know what the Eagle Award was? Does anybody know what that was? It was yeah. a comic award for the best comic ever. It kind of was. Jason's making okay. a joke. But the Eagle Awards were kind of like the Academy Awards for comics back in the 80s. Oh, all right. And this one won a bunch. I'm betting it won Best Artist. Mm-hmm. I bet it won possibly Best Writer. I, I wouldn't know why, but um, if <laughs> he was the best, that's why. <laughs> Uh, it probably won most wordy. Uh, it probably won <laughs> best mind fight. Best mind fights. <laughs> and it won the, I just told you. Oh, right. <laughs> and, you know. But yeah. Best right. Sexiest costume. Yes. Best characters. Best uh, wardrobes. I didn't know what that was, so I thank you guys for telling me. With that, let's go ahead and give this cover a rating. Again, it's a one through five rating. Five as you loved it, it gave you a ring to swing from. Four, you really liked it. Mm. Three, liked it. Mm. Two, didn't like it. Mm. And one, you hated it. It turned Mm. you into a baby. (coughs) You couldn't get into the club. Mm. There was not a ring there when you needed one. (laughs) No. Delvin, one through five on this cover. Before I get into that, 
Good old Wiki 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 says the Eagle Awards were a series of awards for comic book titles and creators. They were awarded by UK fans for voting for work produced during the previous year. Named mm-hmm. after the UK's Eagle comic, they were launched in 1977 for comics released in 1976. For what it's worth, in 2014, in connection with Stan Lee, the Eagle Awards were renamed and presented as the True Believer Comic Awards. But they have not returned since then. Wow. And with that, the cover gets a five. It was fantastic. It was great. I have no need to hold back on that, particularly given the bleh of Amazing Spider-Man this month. It makes this month of X-Men stand out uh, all that more great to me. Let's give it to you, Pat. Where do you rate it? I'm going to say a four. I can't go to a love it. I'm not sure what's really holding me back on it, but I'm a high four. I like the colors. I like the art. It's very well detailed, and that's where I'm going to leave it. Jason. I'm with you, Pat. I'm at a four, and it's really just based off my personal preferences. I'm looking at the wall space I have left here, and I need to put something on there that's a little more action-oriented. I strongly suspect the next issue may be a five for me, but we'll we'll go there. But yeah, there's nothing wrong with this. The cover of this book, I like it a lot. It's just, you know, personal preference for me. So four, and I'll pass it to Jared. I'm going to join team four. I think it's a real solid four. It's a strong four. Uh, If it was something a little more dynamic and energetic, I would have gone with the five. Mm -hmm. I mean, four as seen as basic, as kind of quiet as this scene is it's as good as it can be but i'm gonna land on a on a four strong four though yeah not, a, not a, burn, a burn four is like yeah other people's fives you know so i, I totally agree so delvin you're off on your own on five island but i'm sure there's listeners out there listening to this that will probably join you as well so it's not a bad place to be at either i'm more than happy to be the king of wishful thinking here <laughs> i refuse to give in to my blues i'll stop there I see what you did there. Get over you. Take it. And I'll tell myself I'm over you. That's a sneaky great song, by the way. Yeah, it that is. song it is. really is good. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and get a short story synopsis. From Jason. Cyclops, Storm, Banshee, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Colossus, Children of the Atom, Students of Charles Xavier, Mutants, feared and hated by the world they have sworn to protect. These are the strangest heroes of all. These are the X-Men. Stanley presents the Uncanny X-Men. The title is called, And Hellfire is Their Name. The X-Men are returning from their recent battle with the White Queen and the Hellfire Club when Cyclops calls an audible and diverts them to New Mexico. He and the team rendezvous with fellow founding X-Men member Warren Wethington III. 
Cyclops doesn't know how the Hellfire Club knew so much about the X-Men's comings and goings, but he does not like it, and he wants some advice from his old friend. Using Warren's wealthy connections, Cyclops mounts an undercover operation on the Hellfire Club by posing with Jean, Colossus, and Storm as guests at their birthday gala while sending Nightcrawler and Wolverine in through the sewers. Jason Wingard, however, reveals himself to be Mastermind and activates his Trace Buster Buster by possessing Gene. With their greatest weapon, now their greatest adversary, the X-Men are resoundly trounced by the combined might of Phoenix and the Hellfire's inner circle, Mastermind, Pierce, Shaw, and Leland. The villains are toasting their success, but unbeknownst to them, Wolverine has managed to elude capture and he is ready to do what he does best. Please pick X-Men number 133 for next time, listeners. Daffy Duck. Daffy no! Duck. Daffy no! Duck. All right. Thank you for that story description. I'm so glad that we got together with Mr. Warren Worthy. Mr. Warren W. Warren Worthington the third. Third. I was hoping that he's going to call out there. X-Men! Yes. Mount up. It's Warren G. Oh, well, that's Warren G. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Common mistake, Pat. Common mistake. You know, they went to the west side and they were going to do did. some stuff. Yeah. They did head to the west side. <laughs> New Mexico. Yes. With that, let's go ahead and get to the brick or brack since Pat's bit didn't work out there. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm trying to pull it together with the Warren W and then the Warren. But anyway, <laughs> just didn't happen. Is it a first read or a reread, Delvin? It feels so familiar, but I don't think I've read it. It's a first read, Jared. First read for me. Uh, I'll pass it to you, Pat, and let Jason ruin it at the end. Okay. It is a first read for me, but with Delvin, I've heard it before, and I'll tell you why. I think, we, we, get... I think we know why. Why? <laughs> well, that last panel's famous as hell. <laughs> well, Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you a little bit more as we get into the bricker brack for Oh, there's herb. more. Yes. Ooh, I'm tantalized. Ooh, yes. But Jason, I'm assuming it's a reread for you. I mean, this is the kind of story of the saga of the Dark Phoenix, right? First read for me, Pat. <gasps> yep, I double checked to be sure, but yeah, my omnibus ran out at 131. My collection of individual issues starts at 133. I've never read 132. <laughs> oh, wow. You say. What the what? what? I was, uh, I, believe me, I was thrilled. It was like, yes, first read. This is so cool. <laughs> it's going to be a five, by the way, just throwing it out there. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Woo! Rainbow. An X-Men reading rainbow. I almost want to do it. Everybody get up. I don't even know why. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Woo! I was so excited. Wow. I, I can tell the guys that's a first read. Yeah, I would have. Man, if anybody, yeah, I would have thought that you would have read this one. But no, I, I sure didn't. Like I hmm. said, I, I had the omnibus collected all the way up to the uh, when they escaped in 131. And then I went to my comic book long box to pull out the issue. And I was like, I don't have this one. I think like you guys, I, I've seen like snippets of it, like Wizard Magazine and mm-hmm. things like that, but I've never read this issue cover to cover. All right. Well, speaking about cover to cover, let's get in to the inside of it and get some high lows or what does for this issue. And we'll start with Jared. I'll start with a what the. 
what is Angel wearing? I don't like it. Short shorts? Frightens and confused. That's not my real what though. I just want to say it's weird. And, and, and why is he kissing Gene all passionately? And, He's confident. Ain't no way. If I was Cyclops, I would have blasted him off the side of that mountain. <laughs> Cyclops has put up with a lot to this point. He's actually cutting in like walking off. <laughs> Blocking him at the disco and everything else. Like, <laughs> yep, that would. You're right, Delvin. That would have been the straw that broke the back right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know about all that. Uh, but anyways, those were kind of my s- sillies. I guess I'm pulling a pat doing a bunch. But you know what? I'm gonna get real generic and just say one thing I noticed throughout was the art. Jeez, Burden and Austin have always been a great team. This looks really good. I'll tell you the first time I noticed the art. I mean, it's, it was good, solid throughout, but really notice it would be content page 14. It's a very simple panel of Wolverine being washed away down the, the tunnels, mm-hmm. but like it's done at an angle and there's water swooping and it's it got a lot of detail in it. And that's when I went, let me go back and kind of flip through this art. And it's just so, so, so good. And then you can tell the love that was put into that last panel artistically was just top notch. So uh, I just want a big shout out to the art through the whole book. Here, here, Delvin. It was so good. It's worth talking about for a little bit longer. I remember the storyline, but I was so intrigued seeing the Hellfire Club continue to just be one step ahead of the X Men, and they just they just flattened them. They just destroyed them. That you even forgot that at Wolverine, he didn't escape. He was actually embarrassed. Which yes. makes that last panel even more pointed to where he was just taken out of the fight completely. And you know Wolverine doesn't like that. And then it's also so good because Claremont, at this point, we've been reading X-Men for a while now. And Wolverine has kind of gone from that hair trigger guy almost to a more thoughtful teammate and everything. But he's always maintained that dangerous element and that last page just kind of summed up everything to where you know every writer has to give their team or their hero an out and their out was that one wolverine got to escape but two that they left the water rising and you can guarantee they're going to use the darkness to let wolverine sneak back into the mansion and just wreak havoc everywhere so just excellent story writing and excellent characterization with Wolverine. I ran super long, but I add a what the to that just to kind of not to put a dent on Claremont or anything. I'll say it's on more on the X-Men. They have image inducers. Why would you walk in a party as Jean Grey and Scott Summers and like, no way, no one's going to recognize us. Of course they're going to recognize you. We're going to put on fancy clothes. They're not going to know it's us. Yeah, they are. You're X-Men in fancy clothes now. They could have had a whole image inducer to completely remake their face and everything. Nope. Just walked right up into Hellfire Club into a trap, which kind of fits at least into Professor X's thing. Of He's like, y'all are wandering directly into a trap. This isn't smart. And it, it almost just like Cyclops just <laughs> doubled down on the dumbness of that by walking in there with a trap, like, you know, completely unprepared to even deal with it. So, yeah. I was wondering on that because I, I was thinking the same thing. And I was like, and Storm at one point made the comment 
were both the bait and the trap. So I thought maybe they want to be recognized and they're planning to use Nightcrawler in Wolverine because they were in there, I thought, to gather evidence. They needed to get evidence that the Hellfire Club and the Inner Circle were behind all these machinations. So I thought they were going to like provide some sort of distraction while Nightcrawler and Wolverine like snuck all around the place and gathered evidence and all that. I could be totally wrong. I don't know if anybody else saw it that way. It wasn't really well explained. <laughs> I think you're right, Delvin. I think Professor actually, you know, before I sign off on this mission, I got to ask a few more. <laughs> yeah, let's delve into this, you know, get some more details here. Um, We've read those issues where we got Xavier to come back, but Xavier came back from gallivanting with Lalandra and Cyclops had been running the team. And yeah. so they've also played on that dynamic where there's been that power struggle to where mm-hmm. Cyclops is like, okay, yeah, cool. You left to go chase your chick, man. I've been here leading the team. So this is my team now. Yeah. Yeah. And going back to your point, Delvin, about Wolverine, it looks like Wolverine's actually more following Cyclops at this point. We're not seeing as much of the, I'm going to question everything you do. There was even a yes, boss, you know, got it, boss type of reaction from him. We saw in this Wolverine seems to be more toe in the line and more team Cyclops than he is comfortable around Xavier, to your point. Yep, definitely agree with you guys. Jason, do you have high, low, or what though? I did like the very beginning with Cyclops mixing it up and going to visit Warren in New Mexico. I thought that was a really good idea. Again, we as the readers know, or those of us that have been on board know, how the Hellfire Club is getting this intelligence, but Scott doesn't know. But he suspects there's something not right back in New York. Something's been infiltrated, so he goes to a place where he can sort out thoughts, get some counsel from his friend, think things through. And I just like that whole scene. (laughs) Well, maybe not the tongue-in scene between Warren and, and Gene, but I did like the... We're still seeing Scott questioning Gene's powers. He is still very uncomfortable. The team is uncomfortable. If we'd have read the issue before, Aurora's starting to become uncomfortable, and uh, Aurora and Cyclops are talking about it. So this is really an interesting dynamic. And to see them, though, still be able to spend that quiet moment on top of that view was pretty cool. I thought as well. So I just like that conflicted feelings that Cyclops has being with the woman he loves and feeling like something just isn't right. He likes Mm -hmm. big buttes and he cannot lie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Waited two days to make that joke. I saw you as soon as I said butte, I saw your eyes light up and you showed a lot of discipline. Let me finish that thought before you (laughs) wait for the pause. Wait for the pause. He likes big buttes and he cannot lie. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. I do agree with Delvin on Claremont's storytelling here. I think this issue is a culmination of storytelling. The art is just amazing in this. With all that's going on, you have the slowly buildup for this of them meeting with Warren. Then you see that character moment with him and Gene. Then going into the action that starts to happen. You, you see this high start to get there and like, oh man, we can kind of settle down. And all of a sudden, once they get to the club, it all just goes out the door for them and just they're going down and down and even 
as Delvin said, with Wolverine just getting, you know, shoved to the bottom, to the sewer, just being that weight and just falling on you like that, really took you for a ride in this issue, I think was really cool about it. And I'm going to mention, as I, I said earlier, the reason why it's kind of a, I've heard this before, I'm saying because I listened to some podcasts and I was listening to the audio drama of the X-Men. And just recently, the episodes I was listening to was the Dark Phoenix saga. They play these parts out. And it was cool because I heard it. And then when I read it now, I could hear the audio drama that was being done. And if you guys haven't heard it, go and listen and look up the podcast, the audio drama of X-Men. I listened to it as well, Pat. You recommended that to me not too long ago. I started listening. And I, I, like you, I listened to the same episode. You're right. It's really well done. Yeah. And it's spot on to it as well, too. So hearing it again, I was just like, oh, man, now I can actually see it. When before I heard it play out in my head, now I can put some pictures to it and was really done really good. So with that, let's get into round two and go back to Jared. I'm going to talk about the art some more, even though I know I pick on Claremont a lot. This was a solid story that had good pacing. I never felt bored and I had no problem finishing it. So we'll talk about that. That's a plus, that. That's a plus for you. That's a plus. <laughs> we will talk about Yeah, this is a strong issue uh, for, for me. I want to talk about Glennis for a minute. Yes. You know, our Color Me Bad colorist. I want to point out on content page five, which is the Scott and Jean romantic moment, the colors that she uses for the Southwest United States sky as the sun is setting is really nice. Then you flip that to the next page and the way she uses the muted colors while they're using the flashlight in the sewers is also really striking. Uh, yeah. She is on top of her game. We already talked about how Byrne and Austin are on the top of their game. And when you throw the colorist in there like that, man, I mean, it's just all artistically. This book is what I would call a near perfect or perfect book. Like this is incredible. If if I had one thing to change about it, I, I'm just saying this is the old days and we're looking at a 17 page book. Mm. Modern times, I would love to see it breathe more. Maybe it's worth checking out the X-Men class or classic X-Men. Because remember, don't they add the extra material? I'd be interested, I yeah, would be interested be. in that because this no. this book needed to breathe a little more. It was packed in with a lot of stuff. Uh, so just I know I honked the horn of art already, but I want to gl- give Glennis her due. And I just want to ask a follow up question, maybe to Jason or Delvin. They acted like Wingard being revealed as mastermind was kind of a big thing. Was mastermind the dude from the from the circus? Like several, several I issues ago. Was, I thought it was, but I think it was Mesmero. Maybe. It was Mesmero. Who so has a very similar power set. Similar name, similar power set. So, okay. Because they acted like it was supposed to be a big reveal. And, and frankly, I had to read that three panel set a couple mm-hmm. of times. Like, wh- what? I think Mastermind goes back to the original X-Men. Okay. I, I think. So uh, is Jason uh, Wingard just a creation yeah. of Mastermind? That's what I'm thinking, yes. too. Okay, because yes. I, I thought in my head came in like Jason Wingard was very much his own character, but they are one and the same. He is a a, a a facade for Mastermind. Yeah, he's an illusionist, and he's created that, okay. that illusion of himself. Yeah, got, uh, got. Which illusion, the Mastermind one or the, the Wingard? Jason Wingard. So Mastermind's the real dude, and he's a dude pretending to be a dude. Pretending to be another dude. Another dude. Yeah. <laughs> in, in fancy clothing. 
All right. I, I appreciate clearing that up because I really did like read that little three pencil. Like, I was like, wait, what? Why did he, why does he look different? What, what's happening? And now I get it more. So, yeah. Appreciate it. If I'm lying, Delvin, stop me, but I'm, I believe that. I think you're right. He, he's just a master of illusions, which is, I guess, the way to really get to Jean Grey is you can affect her mind. You can't like fight her like telepathically, but you can get her to see other things. And it's been proven to work now. This is, the second time. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing too, Jared. You took my what the is who was the mastermind? Which is he the real or is he the op, the fake? So through me. Hmm. I was yeah. duped. Yeah, me too. I did not realize that you know in Marvel Canon that Mastermind and Jason Wingard are one person. Hmm. Thought they were two different. Delvin, high low or what the I'll just add a what the real quick, even though it's not a strong one, and it's only to fill up round two really. Never been the biggest fan of Angel. No. Just think he's kind of useless. They're, he's pretty and he flies. He's rich. And he's rich. The end. Just cut the checks. That's all you got. Yeah. Just cut the checks. <laughs> yeah. There, there's not much about him. And Lord knows they really tried. And it kind of said the point of you're at, if you're Claremont, even though Claremont did not invent Warren, he never even, well, I think probably the most. Crazy and outrageous thing that Claremont did was move him over to X Factor. I don't ever remember him doing anything during the X Men at this time. So, uh, just not the hugest fan of Angel, even though I thought he provided wise counsel. But at, that said, at the same time, him planting one on Jane like that was like, man, don't you be putting your lips on my girl like that? What's wrong with you? I cut you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would say the most interesting thing that ever happened in my memory of Angel was him getting stuck to a wall and becoming a whole other character. Yeah. But to be honest with you, and I hate to say that, but. And do you think Wolverine ever looks at him and thinks that those wings are delicious? <laughs> barbecue sauce. <laughs> <laughs> I want my baby back, baby back. Ribs. Ribs. <laughs> Warren Worthington, the other, other white meat. <laughs> uh... Jason, before we go any deeper, let's let's talk about the Hellfire Club in the inner circle for a minute. Sure. I liked this trip down memory lane and seeing the early incarnation of the Hellfire Club and getting introduced to Leland, to Shaw, to Pierce, those villains that are going to be with us throughout X-Men lore. So this was kind of a special book to see them. And boy, did they make an entrance. Like we were joking about beforehand, Cyclops door dashed that ass whooping, man. He brought it, he delivered it to them. <laughs> they didn't even have to go out. <laughs> yeah. They had a coupon code. They didn't even have to pay the delivery fee. <laughs> right. Waived the delivery fee and everything. And holy cow, it, they were impressive. And it was cool because we don't know what their power sets are. And we're finding it out at the same time as the X Men mm-hmm. and finding it out the hard way. And I thought it was interesting. And, and, you know, Delvin, you said on an earlier episode, and you're absolutely right, that Jason Wingard is playing a dangerous game. But at this particular point in time, that game is paying off. That game is He's on top too. of it. Completely, yeah. completely flipped Phoenix to their yeah. side, and she whooped butt. Yeah. And that's the game changer right there. Them blindly wandering in. And they think they were a little bit arrogant. Again, having read the previous issue, they pretty much unloaded some whoop butt on the Hellfire Club in their escape. 
And I think they're thinking at this point, well, we've kind of beat the white queen. They got these soldier guys, but they're not so tough. We can Wolverine them. So I think Cyclops is a little bit arrogant going in there. And those inner circle folks reveal themselves and it's a whole new ball game. And it is not looking good for the X-Men at the end of this issue. And to add to that, there's some dynamics also going on in the inner circle between Wingard and the other guy. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's a very good point, Pat, because (laughs) we see it a lot of times. Sometimes the villains, um, you know, their Achilles heels are themselves because Shaw is the leader. Mm -hmm. But now Wingard has the power, has the big weapon. And that's that I think that's going to play into future issues. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to see how that dynamic plays out along with how powerful these guys are, how the X-Men are going to get out of this. I mean, I, I kind of know what's going to happen from listening to the auto drama, but I'm looking forward to actually seeing it now on the panels, how it was meant to be. There's going to be some snick snick, baby. Oh, yeah. There's one thing that I wanted to say, and that is about Shaw. Shaw never had to reveal his powers and probably shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because he had Cyclops on the ropes. Even Storm, out of desperation, kicked him, which yeah. makes him stronger. No one knew exactly what his power set was, and he was like, oh, and I absorb kinetic energy. It's like, why would, why would you tell him that? Yep, that's Bad a good move. point, Delvin. Yeah, I was thinking that exact same thing when I read. I was like, "Why would you reveal that?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, he could have said that in like the thought bubble to himself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we, we the reader, wouldn't understand. But he said that in a normal outward bubble. Hit me again and put some stank on it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely interested on in how this plays out. Does anybody have any other thing they want to add for this issue, Jerry? I, I will because I've been such an X Men naysayer. I'll just say it again. I thought the pacing issue was good. I, I read right through it. It held my attention. The art was perfect. The ending is so freaking baller. It's ridiculous. This is what I've been looking for. Like, yeah. it, like Jason said, you know, learning about the Hellfire Club, I'm on the ground level now. To me, they're always kind of this nebulous thing. I kind of, you yeah. know, X-Men mm-hmm. first class movie. There were some folks in there from that. And I, I knew a little bit about it, but like seeing this, this is like reading Marvel history, but it doesn't feel like homework. You know, yeah, it's yeah. exciting. So I, I just, again, look for a good score for me because this book really kind of gave me what I've always been looking for. Definitely. It it's, has been a fun trip for us as we're 59, not necessarily 59 episodes or issues in with X-Men, but we, X-Men has been a big part of this journey for us. Mm-hmm. So I am definitely invested in this story arc that's going on and just the story we've had through all the X-Men that we've covered. We're, we're starting to see a lot build together. The teams start to gel better character upon character upon character developments that are happening and that will play out, you know, forever. You know, I, I know that Scott ends up with the white queen later on down the road, but I don't know how that happens. And I'm kind of interested to see now. I'm sure that's down the road from now and now, but like you mm. said, just to see this new stuff starting. Well, judging by what she wears in the new warriors, I could see why. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
then again, now that we think about it, it's so far down the road, man. We we'd be we might be in our sixties doing Crusader Chronicles <laughs> if we got there. So it's Do not much not? of a it's not much of yeah. a spoiler to say in the new X-Men is when White Queen starts sinking, or maybe a little bit earlier, but she starts sinking her claws into Scott. And she played a very similar game to what Mastermind did oh, with okay. Jean Grey. Oh. oh, I just thought about that. Yeah, like the parallels are striking. Oh. And sure enough, Jean Grey got her revenge too. And ooh, it was nasty. Very much like what's going to happen to Mastermind here. That's what she did. With, oh, oh, man. Yeah, it was good. It was spicy, hmm. Pat. It was spicy. I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Several episodes down yes. the road. <laughs> so hopefully you're still here with us, folks. <laughs> We've got like Alzheimer's and dementia. We just it'll sound very similar to the episodes we do now. <laughs> we'll we'll probably release the episodes <laughs> earlier because we'll be yeah, we'll be recording like early in the morning now instead of late at night. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's like welcome <laughs> to the Lombos Crusade. Say what? <laughs> we gotta wrap huh? this up. I gotta be asleep by four thirty. <laughs> Dylan, you is your hearing a charge? Matlock's <laughs> coming on. Dinner's at three. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, should be fun time. And with that, let's find out who went the extra mile for this issue. Jason, who went the extra mile in this one? Well, I kind of tipped my hand early on. I think you got to give it to Wingard uh, slash Mastermind. Don't lock that trophy up too tight, because you're going to be getting it back before too long. But as of right now, in issue mm-hmm. 132, he is the top dog. He's got the powerful weapon of the Phoenix. He has almost single-handedly defeated the X-Men. I'm going to go with the Inner Circle and just kind of piggyback on what you got. Instead of Wingard, I'm going with all the Inner Circle guys, uh, just because, man, they really got the upper hand on the X-Men team. Boy, they ran the gamut, didn't they? They definitely did. Delvin? Who went the extra mile for you? Yeah, same. Hellfire Club. They were the inner circle. They were on it. Absolutely prepared for the X-Men. Absolutely not intimidated by them whatsoever. Had a solid battle plan and they executed it. Just made one mistake. And we all know that's going to cost them. But right now, they're about riding as high as they possibly could be. Jared? Yeah, I guess I have to be unoriginal. I was going to say, if you picked me first, I would have said Shaw. Just tremendously good game plan. Uh, yeah, sure. you can definitely give it to Wingard. I have a funny feeling I know who I'm going to give it to next episode if this pops up. Because, mm-hmm. man, I'm so excited about that. I can't mm-hmm. say enough about it. And I think it, it's important, to, and I know I'm getting a little tangent here, but I think it's important to think about this through a historical lens, too. Because I think we're about to see... For the first time, the Wolverine that we all know and love. I think we're about to see that first uncorked. I hope so. Anyway, that's yeah, that's yeah. my hope. Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, the the Hellfire Club. <laughs> no, no, very I, excited I, by that last panel. It's great to hear the excitement in your voice. Oh yeah, they they did it right. They built it just right. Well, let's see what the Crusader Club picks. Hopefully, ask Let's just do the next. We'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. But speaking about shaking out, let's now get to the ratings for this issue. It's a one through five rating on this issue. Five is you loved it. It gave you a ring to swing from. Four, you really liked it. Three, liked it. Two, didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It turned you into a 
baby. I'm wondering if we're all at the same, or are we maybe one or off? Does anybody not want to get up? I'm getting up. Build the drama, Pat. All Come right. on. Don't Jason's getting up. It. Jason's getting up with a five, right? Yeah, I'm getting up with a five on this one. Jared said it all best. Great pacing, great art, great story, great character development. And it left me wanting to pick up that next issue. So five for me. Delvin. I don't think you can do any better than a well-written, well-drawn, well-colored story with cliffhangers, ups and downs, and that iconic ending that left you wanting more. It's a five. I'm going to give it a five as well. And I will leave it to Jarrett to make the final decision. Oh, man. <laughs> Pressure on you this time. That's why I did it. I'll tell you what. I mean, I, got, I, I, I had it a four. I'm just kidding. It was a five all the way. Five all the way. Let's just get up. Let's get up. Yeah. Perfect art. Really good pacing story. Tremendously good cliffhanger. And again, through that historical lens of we got to remember Wolverine's a relatively new character and I I just get that feeling that we're going to see for the first time what we all love about Wolverine so I'm very excited yeah five it's a five so everybody get up get up it was a special treat for me too to realize I've never actually read this like I've Read from that is crazy. On, it's like, so I was like, boy, it was a lot of fun last night to read that story. I was just patting myself on the back. I was excited too because as I finished the story and I had that great cliffhanger, and I swiped and it showed me the cover of the next one. Oh. I was like, I found that book graded and I bought it for Jason. You have that book graded somewhere in like in like a hard shell case. Like I was at a comic shop in yep. in Georgia. And mm. I didn't even know. Like, I didn't. I was just like, it's cool cover. I didn't know if that issue was valuable or not. It was just like, I know I got a decent deal on it. Bought it for Jason for Christmas. And now, like, it all comes into focus. And I'm like, oh, man, I got him a good book. <laughs> you did. Yeah, you got me a great book. Did nice. you already have it so you can read it loose, I guess? So. I do. I, I've actually got the issue you got me. I've got, you know, obviously, the slabbed version you got me. I've got another original I can read loose. And then I had... um the toys, the the action figures that they came out, the Marvel Select ones, uh, they had uh, the comics that oh, they like came out, and, and it gave that comic mm. with it. So, oh I, man, so I, I, a few times, yeah. I mean, to me, it was just like, oh, a cool cover I picked up. I didn't know how significant it was, and oh, it's a beautiful. I cover. got a good deal on it, then. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've actually got the Marvel Select that's got him like coming through and stepping over the bodies of the Hellfire Club. It's awesome. Very cool. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question, send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page. You can also leave us a voicemail that we just might play on the show. Leave us a message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick And we will be right back. Imagine a state where reality is a dangerous concept, where every aspect of public and private life is strictly controlled, where the voice of the state is the only voice 
and the only limits are that of the imagination. And even that is gone. Imagine a state where memories are wiped away, leaving only traces of the past, where the final frontier of space becomes a weightless freezing vacuum, except for what is useful to the state. A great intergalactic state of hundreds of planets that stretches across the universe called the Federation. And imagine all that stands in the way of total conquest is a tiny band of thieves, smugglers, embezzlers, murderers, and rebel rousers. Are they criminals or liberators? Reality is a dangerous concept, but everyone interprets it in a slightly different way in Blake 7. Welcome everyone to Straight Out of the Federation. You can listen to this podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, write to us on Twitter at SO Federation, or the website, blake7.libson.com. Email us at writeonnetwork at gmail.com. That is W-R-I-G-H-T on network at gmail.com. Take care, everyone. Welcome back from the break. Now, let's get to the feedback part of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. We are thrilled to kick off these comments with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks that have joined our crusade and they enjoy early access to special long box episodes, voting to help determine show content, and so much more. These are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Ow. Auburn Elvis. Bill Bear. Blasted or stash it. Braxton Overmetal. I'm sorry, it's Underwood. Captain Entropy, we got you in here. Clinton Robinson. Gerald Green. You skipped him, but I'll do it. Dave Collins, you know him as Battlewagon. Jason Keane. Jeremy L. This song I'm skipping on purpose. Joe Thomas. <laughs> Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman too. You're welcome, Jared. John Watson. Jose Pollo. Josh Strickland. Captivating Kathy Bright. The M. The Monstrous Mark Hatherley. Maxwell Traver. Michael Wagner. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick of Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Ross Michaud. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Tony Pennington. Toronto Cop. And Brad Morin. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. As a reminder, you can become a Crusaders Club member by heading over to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club, Pick up the phone. Oh, no, wait, no, no. That's not the place to say that. <laughs> Come check it out. Don't have any extra scratch lying around, but still want to help us out here at Long Box Crusade Headquarters? Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just star ratings, it helps raise the profile of the show, and we will share your review on the next show. Like, for instance, this iTunes review from Jared Take It. You got it, buddy. This is from Super Beach Bum. Gave us a five-star review. Thank you, Super Beach Bum. And said, comic shop talk perfected. Mm. Comic shop talk perfected. (laughs) That's fun to say. (laughs) 
He says he loves it. Transformers, G.I. Joe, New Warriors, and more. These guys talk about any and everything remotely related to the topic at hand, which is a nice way to say we wander off. And I love it. Plenty of earworms and ridiculous running jokes from a group of friends with a noble purpose of reading comics. I love He's it. nuts. I like that. <laughs> that is a really great one. Thank you, Beach Bum, or Super Beach Bum. That is, and I should tell you guys about the time I made this perfect marmalade. Wait, no, no, there's no time for it. All right, we will move <laughs> on to social media, like, shares, and retweets from Crusader Chronicles episode 56 from October 1979 as we round out the 70s. The issue we covered was Amazing Spider-Man 200 and Spider-Woman issue 22. These kick off with a guy and his chihuahua, Almeida Art John, Andrew Smith, Angel Montalvo, and Erica Fetty Wolf. Anthony Kosowski, Carlos Morales, Carmine Del Vecchio, CB Dave, Chris L. Weckler, Chris at BTO and Backbooks. Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Let's Clinton Robinson. Coffee and Comics. Comic Citizen Flag of Canada. Comic Reflections. Hmm. <laughs> Cal Josh Bebop. That's one thing. Danilo Delay. Darkwin King. Darth Freud. Days Comic Heroes Blog. Days of High Adventure. Podcast. Dizzy LaSalle. Dragon Prime. Darrell Reed. El Coliseumista de Comics. Evil Genius. Extremely Geek Out Podcast. Fan Film Fridays. <laughs> Fidel Fihermic. Francesco Venagoli. Frank Roberts. Gary Colto. Gene Hendrix. Glenn Peterman. Greg McPherson the second. H95. Hicks, turn your head to the right and hook off. <laughs> JC Rollins. John M. Wilson. Justin Steiner. Karen Walker. Carl Jones. Kathy Bright. Kendall. Kurt Spencer. Longbox of Darkness. Our arch nemesis, Lucas Tida. Luna. There she lives on the second floor. <laughs> I almost, I almost did that. Manuel Lopez Cavalcante. Manuel Kenyette Mendoza. Marshall Julius. Max Reads Comics. Max Traver. Michael Siliak. Monthly, Monday, movie, fuck about. Moon Chithulu. Michael Vargas. Does not drink. Does not smoke. Does not make a drink. What do you do for Nathaniel Gomez. Night Terror Comics. Paul Brant. Philip Packer. Q. Rahul Guramurti Deshpande. Ray Cadella. Rick Heineken. Robert Duyan. Ruben Ortega. Saul Lerman. Scott Kinney. Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast. Shannon Smith. Simon French. Sonia Xavier. Steve Allen Elridge. The real Sean Crummel. Not to be confused with the fake one. We saw that dude. I don't like him. Pretty sure the fake Sean Crummel is known as Tim Price. <laughs> Todd Wyatt. Travis Warren the third, maybe. Jerry up for it? Sure. You got any type of music in mind? <laughs> I actually don't. I have nothing in mind at all. <laughs> all right, maybe the Beatles speak to you. Let me just pick a beat here. All right, uh, I have to say it though. Yeah, Jared, Jared, give me a beat. Well, I'm unpacking the power. Oh, the power pack. We unpack the power with the power pack. It can't stop. It don't stop. It won't stop. There you go, Jeff and Rick. It's back. It's back for you. <laughs> and I'll wrap things up with Vivek Chetri. All right. I'm going to snipe this one here from Angelica Fetty Wolf because she says, you would think I had learned my lesson about listening to this podcast in public. Yes, we would have hoped you would have learned your lesson, especially after hundreds of episodes. Now trying to explain to folks at the USO why I keep giggling to myself. Great show, guys. I have loved following the Spider-Man story along with y'all and looking forward to more. You make me a cooler boy, Mom. Aw, we think you're a cool boy, Mom, all by yourself. Absolutely. Dang right. Yeah. And you should be spreading the love of the Longbox Crusade to everybody around you. So, uh, you know, take the earphones off and just let it play for everybody else to hear. <laughs> yeah, tell them to give us a call. What's that number, dude? You can call us at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. All right, come on. Let's go. <laughs> 
I'm going to take one from the Ryan Daly. And he says, this is a great achievement, fellas. I hope your transition to Iron Man number 142, 200 next. It's number 146 to 200. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> Maybe we'll find out, Ryan. <laughs> Stick with us. Pat gave up. He's not doing numbers today. Okay. Yeah, I'll take this one from uh, Saul Lerman. I don't know we've had a comment from him before. Uh, he says, Spider-Man 200 was an excellent issue, as was this entire stretch of Spider issues. The Mysterio story that preceded this issue, for example, was also excellent. Yeah, uh, Saul, we agree. Uh, we uh, think it had pretty high numbers for Marv, Wolfman, and company for most of that run, and 200, yeah, well... We were mixed on it. Like uh, most of the guys wanted a little bit more, I think, due to the high expectations. I thought it was uh, four level. So we mostly agree with you, my friend. Thank you so much for chiming in. Jared, go for it. I'll take things and wrap them up with Max Reed's comics, who simply said, long live the Crusaders. So say we all. So say we all. So say we all. Pick up the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to everyone for the likes, shares, follows, and comments. We appreciate your friendship and your help in spreading the word about this podcast. And that's the show. Be sure to check out the website, longboxcrusaderchronicles.blogspot.com, where posts will be made for journaling this crusade. I want to thank Jared, Jason, and Delvin for joining me on this episode. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Delvin. You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y-1977. Jared. I am at Yard Sale Artist. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my website, www.theyardsaleartist.com. You can find me at your local Arby's, America's Roast Beef. Yes, sir. Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. I also like Arby's. Pat. Well, you know me, boys. I'm a big roast beef kind of guy myself. I like him. <laughs> Sick and juicy. I like that juicy double. (laughs) I like sandwiches, too. (laughs) Sometimes I get me a lot in trouble. But anyway, you can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. And if you want to interact with us via live chat and be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles, join us on our next episode of Doing It Live Stream on YouTube on the second Sunday of every month at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. Check out the Longbox Crusade on YouTube. Please subscribe to the channel by smashing that bell and clicking that like and subscribe. And you will get the reminders when we go live. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of Crusader Chronicles. You got a comment or a question, email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page at Longbox Crusade. Until next time, take care and please join us on the next episode as we continue on the crusade to read them all. Listen to Alice. Pick up the phone. America's roast beef, yes, sir. The intro music for Crusader Chronicles is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes.
gotta watch it. You gotta watch. That's just something that needs to be on everything. That's what happened. I feel like those GI Joe public services. We should do. We should do one. Like like if real soldiers would give public service announcements, you know, don't be prostitutes. Hey, after you take a wash your hands. Anytime your hand goes near you. You can leave us a voicemail on our voicemail line and we will play it on the show. Just call us and leave a message at 707-532-6269. That's 707-532-LBOX. You have to do another take on that because it's 5269, not 6269. What did I say? You said 6269. It's 5269. Oh, shoot. Okay. You can leave us a message at 707-532-6269. That's 707-532. You literally just did it again. (laughs) What did I say? (laughs) All right. (laughs) The Marvel Comics crew. Skip, skip, try it again. The title of this issue was Bewitched. Ah, son of a <laughs> and let's start over. It's all because Delvin cut that look. <laughs> <laughs> I was yep. on like high road, high road. Sometimes you have to kick that mother <laughs> off the cliff. <laughs> oh, just to get a laugh. <laughs> I regret <laughs> nothing. Have fun editing that, Pat. Just just delete it. (laughs) All right. Well, let's go ahead and get a short story synopsis from Jason. Oh, you said short. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Pat. The title is called And Hellfire is Their Name. The X Men are returning from their recent battle with the White Queen and the Hellfire Club. Can we start when- over, uh, Pat, with the drinky drink there? Oh, sorry. Clinky I I clink ice, it. you son uh, of a bitch. <laughs> I was trying to mime that for you, Pat, to let you know you were making noise, but sorry, Jason. Proceed. All right. We'll, we'll start again. <laughs> <laughs> I do love me some roast beef, man. Oh, oh man. yeah. No. Roast beef would be good. Yeah. In that au jus. And it, Oh, that cheddar cheese sauce dripping off. Oh, God, yeah. When you get that, get that big monster one with the cheddar cheese dripping, mm-hmm. you got like all on your shirt and everything. You look like a f- savage because you got like you got like cheese and then it looks like blood because you got the Arby sauce mixed in there. <laughs> You're like, don't look at me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more horsey. That's disgusting. I'm a horsey sauce. Horsey sauce. 